Hello and welcome to Sequel Pitch, where four film enthusiast friends review movies that don't have sequels and see who can come up with the best idea for one. My name's Drew Toynbee, I'm the host this week because I won last week with my pitch for Labyrinth. Um, joining me today to review our movie of the week and pitch me their ideas, we have the man of many voices, Ross Harmston. Hello! It's my many voices. <laughs> All at once. I love it. We have the madcap man from Bristol, Andy Henry. What's up? Hey, my ha- you can't see, but my hands are in the air. Woo! He's so crazy. <laughs> and we have the last living Viking XL himself, Matt Rushton. <sighs> Hello there. Hello there. <laughs> Again, just getting out from bed. <laughs> yeah. So, this week, we watched a movie from the famously always successful and never creatively bankrupt oeuvre of video game adaptations, um, which is the Brad Payton-directed Dwayne The Rock Johnson starring 28 sci-fi action monster smasher Rampage. Oh, yes. It it is. It's a film. Um, (laughs) That it was. It is indeed. Um, But before we get to our review section, just in case any of the listeners haven't had a chance to see the movie, you can pause us now. You can find it on Netflix UK and go away and watch it. If you don't have time, if you can't be bothered, I wouldn't blame you. Um, We do a quick 60 second summary to tell you what happens in the first movie. So uh, that's always done by the host. Again, that's me. So I'm going to try and do this in 60 seconds and my time starts Now, we open in a space station where a test subject has broken free and killed all but one of the crew of scientists. The last surviving scientist flees the space station with three canisters. However, her damaged escape pod blows up on re-entry, scattering the canisters over the continental United States of America. We then meet The Rock's Davis Okoye walking through the jungle, which is actually San Diego. He's a primate expert and his albino gorilla friend with an attitude and a heart, George. George encounters one of the fallen canisters and it sprays green mist into his face. We also see a wolf and an alligator in other areas of the US finding the other two. The gas makes the animals grow in size and aggression and they go on a rampage. Meanwhile, the CEO of Enerdyne, the company that made the gas, starts a radio signal in the centre of Chicago to summon the animals back for some reason. (laughs) They all rampage their way to Chicago as... The military and private contractors try and stop them. Um, George is being held in line by the the sheer power of the rock's bro love. Um, and eventually they manage to come together and fight the other two monsters to the death. Um, and the evil corporate types get their comeuppance. And that's the end. Oh. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was an experience, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. It was. It was great. <laughs> Well, well, parts of it were great. Let's jump into everyone's thoughts. I mean, um, yeah, any any headline thoughts just to start off with? This is not a twelve. I... <laughs> yeah, I guess it, it it's it, they got away with a lot of stuff. Thinking thinking back to it, I would agree that feeding uh, a person to uh, an ape is definitely not a twelve. Um, yeah, but we didn't not... see any. We don't see any blood. I think that's the main thing. We see blood yes. in the first five seconds of the film, and it's and it's yeah. non-gravity globules of blood where someone's eye used to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. But I mean, after that, is there anything that's 
Yeah, I mean the guy gets crushed by a massive. The guy get the guy gets crushed yeah. by a massive bit of concrete and the blood splatters on the on the window. Yeah. And then he oh, makes God. a quip. And then he makes a quip after seeing a man being crushed and goes, "He chose the wrong exit," or something like that. Like, like you just saw a man be crushed no, no, to death. It's dark. Or when Joe Mag Mag Magule- Magulelli, Magulelli. Yeah. I always thought it was pronounced Manginello, but yeah. I am probably wrong. We're all very sorry. Oh, sorry, Joe. Joe. Um, <laughs> he, when he cool. dies, there's like blood all over his uh, weapon as well. Mm. So I love, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I love The Rocks films. He is like the modern day Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think. And then mm. Uh, um, mm. I don't think any film that he's in is bad. I think they're enjoyable for what they are, which is silly, camp, actiony, yeah. fun. And yeah, 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 yeah. you can't take them too seriously, and he doesn't like. But he is a good actor. Like The Rock is a good actor. Like, yeah, yeah. he's charismatic better. enough. Yeah. He carries the film. You know, he was yeah. he was charismatic in WWE, and he brought and he's brought that over to film. And he's he's now he's now a producer. He has his own show as well, Ballers, and you know he's a successful guy. And I think when you look at his films. You can't really go. Well, this is ridiculous. There's a there's a man that jumps across a crane onto another yeah. <laughs> building in skyscraper, or you know this where he's um, surfing the helicopter the, the, down a collapsing building. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. One of the best yeah. bits. The thing is, but what we can't remember <gasps> what The Rock likes to do, and or what this film is, is a summer blockbuster. It's a popcorn film. Yeah. And basically what that means is you do, you have to t- turn your brain off to a certain extent, probably quite a lot more. But like for me, a summer, blo- summer blockbuster is it's easy to follow, like probably big, big explosions or big, big comedy. Yeah. No real like twists or turns and just enjoyable the whole way. And that's what I think The Rock does a lot of, a lot of his films are that where you, you kind of, it gets reviewed quite badly because they're not great films, but what they, but what they are in terms of just big blockbusters like sky- Skyscraper it's not that great of a film compared to like other films but if you look at it at, at what it had to do to meet say the summer blockbuster title that I'm putting it under it did fine I, I actually I was pleasantly surprised by Skyscraper and I'll, I'll admit to being a fan of one of the other collaborations between Brad Payton and The Rock which is San Andreas oh. which as big natural disaster movies go is basically 2012 all over again, but actually kind of not utterly balmy. I really like The Rock in this as well. Like He's got a very good sense of humour in this with his constant going, well, okay, I could have. I could have beat him up. I, I could have. Uh, That's or, not you know, the, Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think they, they play on that. And they... Uh, and it goes to show the relationship of the director and the rock like mm. really gels in this and he's, a, he's allowing Dwayne Johnson to just be Dwayne Johnson and having fun with the role and yeah. like and Jeffrey Dean Morgan as well yeah i did love him he was he was very enjoyable it's like a it's like one long wry crooked smile it's just like <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan being mysterious and charming and then the rock being like affable and charming and then a gorilla a big white gorilla giving people a middle finger oh my god it's that gorilla's like, got such a good sense of humor i don't know how yeah. the rock kind of gave that to him like at the end when he gives like the finger at the end i really liked the cg as well on the gorilla as well like especially at yeah. the beginning yeah. of the movie i was like oh that's actually when quite it was, good 
when it was by itself with other CGI animals or like background, it was great. Yeah. Sometimes when it was next to a live action, especially when like the rock had to feel his arm sometimes or fist bump. Yeah, bump yeah, it. yeah. Most that of the time it was good. Weird. The first, the first fist bump. Oh yeah. When like when he he keeps trying to get the fist bump and <laughs> and George keeps giving him the finger and then he's like, no, George, come on do the fist bump and it's all serious and they have the bro moment and the rock the, the rock's human hand is as big as this giant <laughs> gorilla's hand yeah, yeah to be honest what i tried what i liked um unfortunately what the rock has got against him which um hobson shaw pointed out perfectly um but a digress to hobson shaw when they're trying to be stealthy and jason statham's just like how can you be fucking stealthy you're like as big as a mountain um, and that's what The Rock's got against him, basically going into a lot of acting jobs. But what I liked, uh, what they did anyway with this one, until he had to become an action star, he felt like a normal guy. I realised they kept his jacket on, so they didn't really show his muscles. He, you know, he, well, he was, he, we didn't yeah, open up with him still, being in, I mean, in the gym. Still they're still massive. Yeah. <laughs> he's still massive, yeah, but yeah, but, 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 but like, he, they, they weren't like... You wanted to see The Rock with his top off. The first off, time you, you see him is alongside Jack Quaid, who, let's be honest, is not massive. Like, there's no... You cannot hide from the fact that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is a god amongst men. The only thing I didn't like massively is the motivation of the bad guys in this i'm like okay so they they send out a mercenary team to get like this to kill the wolf i was like okay i thought they they surely want to capture it alive and then they decide to put a massive signal out to lure these things to chicago Mm -hmm. on top of their building and then when they're on top of it about to escape they look around in shock as George is behind them and they go oh my like this is what you wanted this is what you wanted you wanted them to come to the city this was your idea also they massively clear out that city so quickly there's no one left in that city in Chicago yeah they do a a Batman v Superman of oh this this battle is happening somewhere completely uninhabited (laughs) don't don't worry guys yeah I've I've seen this film a couple of times, but sitting down to watch it with a more critical eye, like the very opening of the film, immediately I was just like, "Hang on!" It as a set piece goes on a space station, that's all good. The the zero g horror monster rat tr- like being buffeted around by explosions, it's thrilling. It's quite well done. But then I was like, "What? Why? Why is this in space? Like, what <laughs> other than needing?" For the script, mm, for yeah. the story to happen, needing the canisters to end up in different parts of the US, why did they go to the trouble of shipping all of these people to space to do this when they could have just done it, done the same experiment in a bunker somewhere? It doesn't need to be in zero G to function because it all works on the on the ground, like. And obviously, it's just because they're like, we have to get the canisters to different parts of the US, and if it's like people steal them, why would they set them off or like? They'd just throw him in a bush, and that would be really anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. So I understand why they went for space, but as soon as you give it any critical thought, it's like, hang on, like, do you know how many billions and billions and billions <laughs> of dollars it costs to build a space station? <laughs> Clearly, a pro- they're not on the ISS. They're not like, hey, Russian and US governments, don't mind mm. us in this creepy little lab. Well, yeah. I was just going to say that there's actually a very functioning reason as to why they're in space. Is because the two mm. people that run Enerdyne or Energine are fucking morons with way more money than sense. 
we see this throughout the bloody film. They, as you say, they kill themselves by building a huge antenna that summons these three things towards them. They clearly yeah. have way more money. God knows how they get this money. That's what I want to know. How does a brother and sister so stupid have so much money and so much influence? That's my biggest question. But that my, is also why I, they have yeah. a, their own space station. is because they have that much money. They can do whatever the fuck they want. And also, yeah. there's no laws in space, clearly. So, you know, that's why they <laughs> did it. Oh, no that's the easiest way to get around that's it. Yeah. The... In space, no one can hear you breaking international <laughs> like, genetics laws. I love the bit when he's smashing up that model of the space station, the lab, and then she goes, well, it's just cost us billions of dollars. Plus another twenty thousand for that model. Twenty thousand dollars <laughs> yeah, for that yeah. model. Where the fuck did you get that from? My case of so Jesus. They just don't care. They could just be like, man. My favorite bit is going to be the end of the, the last forty-five minutes. It's, it's, it's down the. It's when the all the animals come together, and the rocks of like a grenade launcher. Very well done. Very enjoyable. When the gorilla eats the bad lady, the bad lady is great as an evil villain. By the way, she just looks evil. Yeah. Like she's like a caricature me but perfectly of, a, of an evil an evil villain but yeah when the gorilla eats the woman great when the um the alligator comes up and breaks the neck of the wolf brilliant i love i love the last 45 minutes what's negan's name jeffrey jeffrey dean morgan thought it was great don't know if he was actually necessary for the the story and probably he's there to make quips and go all right yeah but in a film well, like this what we want to see is just basically the animals tearing each other apart that's what I liked. In the first 20 minutes, you got to know The Rock really quickly. He's a good guy. He's got a great relationship with the monkey. That's all I need. And his, and his like, fellows or whatever. You wait like till him. my pitch, mate. I mean, so Andy pointing out that that was his favourite bit actually leads me on to one of the things I was going to ask you guys. Ross and Matt, have you got a, a favourite moment? Uh, I, my favourite bit. I did like the bit with the, the falling skyscraper. I thought the, the music to that going... Like the low, low mm. bit of music was really good. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a good, cool little spectacle. Um, the relationship that he has with The Rock as well throughout the film, um, George and The Rock, are, are are quite good as well. Like human it's a bromance. Yeah, it. the bromance. <laughs> Matt, how about my favourite bit? Yeah, in terms of action sequencing, I really enjoyed the bit where the plane is going down after George breaks out. And the strapping up of three parachutes as this plane is plummeting to Earth. I thought, you know what? That is exactly what this film is about. It's about strapping parachutes on somebody whilst gravity and G-forces is essentially trying to suck you out of a plane. But you're stronger than gravity. So, yeah, you know, that's entertaining. I do really enjoy the George bit. And I think there was a touching moment in that, you know, after the battle and whatnot. And George, he pretends that he's dead. And I I find that very, very clever. I must great, admit yeah. that bit. Yeah, it was the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, man, that sucks so bad. The second time I saw it, I knew exactly what it was coming. I was just like, it's actually genius. And it's <laughs> a real sensitive eye. moment. He's like, did you did you just close your eyes? Yeah, that's so good. I was like, To be fair, that's such a good bit. I think I read somewhere the first draft had George dying. And it was, either, it was either a producer or really? it was The Rock saying, no, we need to end on a happier note. The, the monkey needs to 
like obviously get impaled probably but live and we need sequel for this yeah yeah yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. for this for us <laughs> well yeah for us but like that's why jeffrey dean morgan's in the film so that he can show up and be like hey by the way we need you to come and do some special ops cowboy shit. was only released um, yeah. in 2018 still well within its sequel circle Oh yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, because it's because it's based off a game. It... It's very loosely based on the game, isn't it? Like, yeah, as as video yeah. game adaptations go, I I think this is this is up yeah. there. Like, it's no doom. It, it does exactly Thanks what it says Dwayne on the Johnson tin. It's... for that other <laughs> oh, video <yeah>. game. <laughs> of course, yeah, d- yeah. The Rock's other video game adaptation, which <gasps> is easily demonstrably five hundred oh, times doom. worse than this upcoming episode. Get ready for that. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, actually, I'm going to, I'll put that on the list right now. I'll quickly say one of my... Um, I didn't have any bits that I really hated. Uh, I'd say that half an hour, maybe Act 2, was a bit slow. I knew we had a little bit boring at points, but nothing I didn't actually kind of be like, oh, it was wrong in my eyes. Matt, anything in particular that stood out to you that you weren't on a fan of? On the whole, this film is exactly what it says on the tin, is all I will say. And if that is your cup of tea, you'll love it. If you want something that is <laughs> vaguely interesting and has character development, you're going to hate this film so freaking <laughs> much because this yeah. is yeah. not about... Uh, even the relationship with Dwayne Johnson and George, it tries to be something, but ultimately it's just a load of banter. Um, Ross, any any constructive criticisms of the film to add? Uh... A little bit more of a sort of memorable bad guy. I feel that the film lacked um, a star to be that that person as a bad guy. Not not saying that the two, the brother and sister, they were bad. They weren't bad. They just weren't memorable. I'd like to have a, a maybe you know a more well known actor to play a bad guy. Right. Very quickly, before we get on to your pitches, as it happens, let's have your scores out of five. Ross, what's your score out of five? Four out of five. A rip-roaring adventure. Dwayne Johnson is wonderful in this movie, and if you switch your brain off and you just enjoy it for what it is, it's very entertaining. I'm going to give it a four out of five monkeys. (laughs) Four out of five monkeys. Um... Matt? I'm going to give it two two cut off floating in outer space hands <laughs> out of five. Um, <laughs> it's, you know what, it is action packed and it is kind of relentless, but Ross made a very good point that there isn't really a bad guy. There's no real journey other than it's just 90 to 100 minutes of the rock being a fucking badass and fair play to Dwayne Johnson like you say he's incredible at what he does but I just like a bit more of a stimulus and a stimulant to my film okay um Andy um I'm going to agree with Ross I say as a summer blockbuster I think it does it ticks basically every box um I'm gonna give it a four uh monkey thumbs up out of five um yeah very enjoyable I mean when you when you when you watch it and you like I say the last 45 minutes was so enjoyable when I watch it again I'm looking forward to that end and and yeah the um, the bad guys aren't um, rememberable and established great um, or 
the bad guys aren't established well, and I agree with that. But I look forward to their deaths now, kind of knowing how it comes. And, and um, so yeah, no, it's very enjoyable. Not great, but definitely, definitely recommend. Okay. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go right down the middle of the road and give it a a three albino gorilla middle fingers out of five. <laughs> I personally think it achieves exactly what it wants to do. It's not high art, um, but the effects are well executed. It's a very charismatic film. A lot of films would try to be this charming and would fail, but it worked well enough for me. However, I cannot bring myself to give it those last two middle (laughs) fingers um, or anything, or even a knuckle off of any of them. (laughs) I give it a try you might have fun um but so that gives us our overall average score and thank goodness our average score has come out at 3.25 0.25 lower than our score for labyrinth (laughs) and i think if in episode two we had scored rampage higher than labyrinth we would have had to have cancelled the podcast forever to be honest i i enjoyed this one more than labyrinth (laughs) There's, there's a discussion to be had about whether our scores are our personal scores for how much we like yeah. the film or how good we think the film is, because those are two different things. But I think for now, we are on the right side of history, <laughs> um, mm. giving this a slightly lower score. If I achieve anything in this podcast, it will be to make sure that the likes of Ross and Andy do not put the worst films possible at the top <laughs> of our scoreboard. <laughs> okay. Well, there we have it. We have our score. But without further ado, I think it's time to get your sequels pitched. The rules of the pitches are very simple. You have three minutes to pitch me your ideas without interruption. And I really want you to sell it to me. After you've done your pitch, I'll have a couple of questions for each of you. And then you will all have a chance to persuade me why I should pick your movie over the other two. So in no particular order other than alphabetical by first name, Let's start with Andy. Um, Andy, can you please tell me the title of your movie very quickly? Um, Just Rampage 2. Just Rampage 2. Please give me your pitch. Your three minutes starts now. NEG, a new company studying muscle regrowth in lizards, are close to a breakthrough. They decide to try something experimental and increase the amount of testosterone in a new gene compound they've been working on in a chance that this will increase the speed and maturity of the muscle regrowth. When they inject it into three lizards, each missing a limb, it works perfectly. Until it doesn't. The lizards, the lizards start acting crazy and attacking each other and growing in size. The growing lizards start attacking the scientists in the room. We see a silhouette of three lizards eating bodies. They're a meter tall and growing. Meanwhile, the Rock is with George playing in his pen. They hear an explosion in the distance, and Rock and his assistant drive out to check it out. They come to NEG's research lab, but the animals have destroyed the place, not le- leaving not a soul alive. The Rock looks around and finds a video on loop showing the events of the opening. He knows only one thing can take down giant lizards, Giant George. He snatches some vials of regrowth compound and heads back to George, telling George the city needs him once again, and injects the vials into him. George, now the size he was in the first film, charges towards the lizards. As the lizards are only half George's size, he starts to win and overpower them. But soon the lizards are as big as George and the numbers game wins over George's pure strength. And The Rock can see this. He does the only thing he thinks will work. He reaches into the bag for a vial. As George lays on his back, pinned to the floor by two lizards, one lizard lunges to bite down on George's neck when a building comes flying into shot, striking the lizard and causing it to crash into another building. That building crashes onto the lizard, 
killing it. The other two lizards turn and see the thrower of the building as no other than the rock. But he's four times as big as he's supposed to be, and he's growing. Soon, a 60-foot rock and a 60-foot gorilla take on and beat the giant lizards. Everyone, everyone is fine, and three weeks later, we see a normal-sized rock and a normal-sized George playing in their pen. The rock and the assistant talk about the antidote they took and how their life is back to normal. For now. Okay. A 60-foot um... rock. <laughs> A 60-foot rock. A two-minute pitch for what feels like it's going to be a very short movie. My, I'm gonna, I'm mine, mine's going to be about 90 minutes, 100 minutes. It's going to be that, that classic summer blockbuster time. How how does that story yeah. stretch out into 90 minutes? Because um, the we're going to have, again, most of the... Probably 45 minutes is going to be the end. It's going to be the fight. It's going to be the giant monsters. Because that's what we want to see. So we're going to spend the first, like, 15 minutes meeting The Rock, meeting his assistant, um, all his assistants. Most likely, I can't remember the guy with the glasses. Probably more, more him than... Um... Chap is in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, that's it. Because um, I thought him and The Rock had a better relationship than the other guys. Um, but the idea is to establish very quickly, it's these guys again, we know these guys, we're, let's get on with the plot. They go to the plot. They go to the plot. They go to the building. Uh, and the, the idea <laughs> of the... Go um, the they go to the plot. They go to the plot. Um, so they go to the building, and the idea of the rock finding the video on loop is is to easily explain. Um, yeah, no, no, okay, okay. So I, I should, that, I should I mean, clarify. That's fifteen minutes. I, I fifteen minutes. The, the, then... the setup is artful, mm. oh, but an hour and a quarter of just fighting. No, 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 no. it won't in be an hour and a quarter. Like... It'd, be, it'd be like forty-five. It'd be forty-five minutes. Uh, when we come back to Neg, who are trying to cover their tracks like the guys in the first film. Okay, right. My question was going to be: Are there any B plots that you've left out of the pitch? So there will be. So you're saying there will be some sort of B-plot of the baddies. Are they kind of trying to kill George? Are they trying to cover it all up and just kill everyone involved? Or They are. I can see it a lot like um, Inspector Gadget, where you see like you just hear a voice and you see a shadow or just an arm. So you don't know who's who's trying to mop up this, who's trying to mop up this mess. But yeah, they're just like... Um, they obviously they, they first know about the lizards and then they try and uh, send a cleaning crew to the lab... Uh, at the time that the rock and his assistant get there so there's a little bit of like hide and seek all right i would put it to you that the first film takes itself as seriously as it can given its subject matter where yours particularly having a 60 foot the rock oh yeah is 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 right on the border of trespassing into parody land i can i actually now looking out my window at the size of a normal house I'm gonna I'm gonna actually reduce because sixty. I just just to come up with sixty up the rock top of my head. I'm gonna say thirty foot. The bigger the the bigger they get is about thirty foot. So yeah, I'm gonna say he's thirty feet because look, looking at the houses across my, my window, I'm like yeah, no, sixty feet is too ridiculous. But thirty feet will just be ridiculous enough. It doesn't take itself as seriously as the first one. Yeah. Um, Some interesting ideas. I can definitely see the direction that you're you taking. Imagine it. how big his biceps would be if he was already thirty foot tall. I, I can. I and he's getting in a fight can. with lizards. It's it's a giant rock. And a giant monkey versus Jurassic Park. I, I, I'm excited by I a giant can... rock. <laughs> I, I've got that. And I, I cannot fault your dedication to the memes. Um, but we'll, well, we'll see how it stacks up against the others. Thank you very much. That is fab. Um, up next, alphabetically by first name, we have Matt. What is the title of your sequel? My title is Rampage Returns. Tokyo Rift. Excellent. Very good. Um, with that, I look forward to hearing where you're going with this, and your time starts now.
Thank you. So uh, we are going to see a lot of familiar faces returning. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, Naomi Harris, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is back, of course, along with Jack Quaid and Brianne Pariala. I, I apologise for not pronouncing your name right, uh, who played Amy. I enjoyed that squad. They were a good squad. So, George has been rehomed. He is now on a sanctuary island, uh, along with other monkeys, that is kind of doubling up as a US government-officiated science centre. Kate Cordwell, Naomi, is Naomi Harris is there. She's the lead in the research team. She's continuing the work that she'd done before when she was trying to save her brother, trying to find how CRISPR, the um, genetic editing tool, can be uh, can be used to save human lives. However, she's struggling. There's a lot of frustrations. Um, yeah, it's just it's not quite right. Something just isn't quite fitting, and she can't put her finger on what it is. We cut over to the cleanup crew in Chicago, kind of flashback, if one will. Um, and this is very much a scene stolen from many, many Marvel films where there is a cleanup crew collecting the uh, the remnants of this croc, hog, a sword, dinosaur thing <laughs> from the first film, collecting a load of samples of it, freezing them off, locking them in some containers, and they get mysteriously, mysteriously shipped off somewhere that isn't in the government trucks. Um, it turns out that these samples end up with a company called Chromosortium Industries. They are based in Japan. They work in similar fields, uh, very much genetic editing and enhancement, where Japan is now very much at the forefront of this. It's a country that is allowing it um, so this company, this kind of guising as a company that's trying to better humans whilst they're actually still trying to weaponize CRISPR. So it turns out they're using it and they start testing on humans. These humans, they start taking visual qualities of certain creatures within the CRISPR genetic pool. So some start getting scales, others start getting enhanced senses and animal instincts and animal features but they continue to morph into these original monsters. Big, big homage to the game, which is exactly what it does there. They're humans that become the monsters, and they grow into TakeOver Tokyo. Um, it all gets very messy, a lot of death and blood, because it's a 12, and you can do that, according to the first <laughs> one. Um, and it is it quickly, the word spreads, and gets back to uh, DJ and co., on this island that there is a big problem and George is going to have to step up once more to save the world. So they do. They head over to Tokyo. Flying, probably, because that was so safe the first time. <laughs> um, and they they get there. There's a big fight. I have no clue what time I'm on. Um, uh, you've just gone seven seconds over. So wrap it up cool. quick, quick, quick. Yeah, so they have a fight and George saves Tokyo and the world. And Claire Col Kate Caldwell... Kate Caldwell finds the solution to make her medicine work for humans. Okay. All right. Three minutes and 20 seconds. Okay. <laughs> I like the sort of monsters in Tokyo, Godzilla kaiju-ishness of it all. You've got it. Um, that's, that, that is a nice nod. So, okay. Naomi Harris's character, mm -hmm. um, Dr. Caldwell, you say that she she discovers... It, she she works out how to make her research work. Yes. How is that going to tie into the action? 
Uh, well, there's, there's, I, I envision a scene where perhaps George has taken down or there's blood remnants from one of these mutated humans that have become uh, the monsters. And that it's within all of that research that Kate discovers, um, discovers the cure. It's uh, just through that genetic manipulation at Chromosortium Industries, they've accidentally okay. stumbled on it, but actually it's one of the things they use to enhance it. However, Kate realises how she can reverse it, genetically reverse it, to actually serve her medical purposes. Okay, cool. So it's very much like a hero- like the end of the movie thing. She finds this stuff and she realises it. It's like a big hope for mankind thing. Yeah, perhaps it can even help to reverse the mutation. Ah, perhaps okay, okay. I didn't cool, write cool, that, cool, cool, but cool, cool, cool. that has just come to my just head. Just came to his head because yeah. I'm a creative. I think that's fair. That that is probably that's something that whoever actually writes the script off of your outline would probably get to. I think that's fair. Um, so you were very critical of the first film for not having very much character development. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you doing anything to remedy that, or are you just going with it? Absolutely not. I'm here to make a sequel, <laughs> not a film that I want to watch. Fair enough. I that's um, it's very mercenary of you. Congratulations. Um, Thanks. What else? Yeah, I I think I appreciate that you've given Naomi Harris something to do in the film, and I I very very much enjoyed your use of Croc Hogosaurus. Yeah. I think that's 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 going to be Sounds like a Pokemon I want to catch. Um, I, I I want that to come up again in this podcast regularly. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, Matt. I'm intrigued to see what the others make of your pitch. Thank you. Um, Last, but by no means least, we have Ross. Ross, what's the title of your pitch? Rampage 2, Vengeance. Very good. Rampage 2, Vengeance. Your three minutes starts now. Two years after the disaster in Chicago, life has settled down for Davis Sakaye. The San Diego Wildlife Sanctuary has grown and himself and Dr. Kate Coldwell are rushed off their feet looking after a huge George. That is until an old adversary named Johannes Kruger, a South African poacher, sees Davis in a news interview. Kruger is played by Arnold Voslow, uh, the man who played the mummy, and is wearing an eye patch over his left eye. More importantly, he has a pet python wrapped around his arm. We then have a flashback and see a young Kruger with his brother in South Africa with a group of poachers. They have just caught an adult gorilla and are hacking as they are hacking the feet off. Then all of a sudden, the poachers are all shot and killed and only Kruger survives, but not without losing one of his eyes. Looking up half dead, he sees Davis Okoye and vows vengeance. Seeing Davis has ignited his mission, he travels to America and on the way he learns of a pathogen that rewrites genes. He also learns it's being housed in a top government facility. So he hires a mercenary group to break in and steal it. And in the process, they kill Harvey Russell. Kruger then injects his pet python with the serum multiple times and it grows to a massive size. And he then travels to San Diego to confront Davis. The sanctuary is destroyed by Kruger, but Davis isn't there. Him and George are in a school talking about the benefits of conservation. And they return to the devastation to find a dying Dr. Caldwell who with a last breath urges Davis to destroy Kruger and says, you'll need help, and hands Davis a vial of pathogen. Davis then sees Parvo, and with sign language, Parvo communicates to Davis that he wants to help and take down Kruger as well. 
Davis reluctantly injects Parvo with the serum. Davis, Parvo and George find Kruger on the uh, on a rampage in the middle of San Diego and a huge fight ensues. They defeat the snake, but Kruger, not wanting to give it up, injects himself and then is transformed into half man, half bear, the ultimate killing machine. In the fight, George is almost killed. And at the last second, Parvo saves his life and kills Kruger. Then Davis quips he could have done it all on his own. And George and Parvo push him into a nearby fountain. They all laugh at the end. Uh, okay, very good. Two, two minutes and 40 seconds. Um, okay, yeah. Um, some, come on, some, come at me. Uh, uh, a, a few similarities between yours and Matt's. Both evolving the idea from the first movie well, whilst incorporating the idea from the game that it's people who get transformed and i enjoyed that Uh, so arnold vosloo yeah uh, like iconic yes but for people of our generation who saw the mummy in like 99 does he have the cultural cachet to play for today's younger audience of sort of 14 to 18 year olds who would probably be the target for this i think so uh he's been in something recently that um I don't know the name of, but um, he he plays a bad guy in that. Let me have a look at what okay. it is. Um, uh, oh, maybe he wasn't. <laughs> maybe he wasn't. Maybe this is a totally irrelevant uh, point that I'm trying to make. Um, yeah. No. Oh, he's in Bosch. Okay. He's in Bosch. Um, oh, yeah, really popular with the kids, <laughs> Bosch. Hey, that's, that's I mean, popular. I, and GI. G- look, oh no, no, yeah, that was ages ago. Um, <laughs> I look, I, I'm, I'm not having a go because for I went hearing Arnold Vosloo was going to be the villain of the piece. I squeed inside <laughs> yeah. a bit. Like I, I, it has a draw. I'm just a little concerned. I think he's got what it, he's South African as well, and I like the you know giving giving a South African character to somebody that is actually South African would really benefit from that role. Yeah, okay. Um, hmm, yeah, it's... But in terms of human characters, then, we've we've basically just got The Rock and, and Arnold, like, making a, a swath of chaos through multiple popular characters from the first film a, co- a controversial choice right. what's your reasoning for for killing off jeffrey dean morgan and for fridging <laughs> like the main yeah. the main female actor from the first movie i think it's called vengeance and nothing says vengeance <laughs> than killing some characters that the um the main uh, hero loves or likes and also the audience like you're really going to if Voslo is not going to reach the people, the story of him killing these favourite characters are going to really make the audience hate him. And I think, I'll just on that, there's going to be some hilarious little scenes, you know, with George at the school uh, where he's going to, like, kind of get into the room and he's going to smash the like the, the his head on the wall, but it's going to fall. And they're going to be like, oh, oh he's going to be playing the playground on the monkey bars. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then they come back and then it's horror and death. Um, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> and also, I just want to explain 
the man, the 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 weird man bear thing because he injects him thinking that he's just gonna get really big, but something goes wrong and he like as he injects himself he's like feels like really weird and then he turns into half man half bear. That's the, yeah, man bear pig. Yeah, man bear. Man bear pig. A, a, a good explanation there. <laughs> he inje- <laughs> it feels weird, and that's why it happens. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Okay. Um, so. Fellas, you've you've all heard each other's pitches, so now is your chance to tell me why I should pick your movie over the others. Um, let's jump in first with Andy. Why is yours the one to pick? Because mine's easy to follow, simple. It have one thing that no film has had before and probably will have again, which is going to be the main draw, which is a 30-foot rock. Who doesn't want to see a 30-foot rock beating up some 30-foot lizards? With a tag team partner, his gorilla. Is he going to be stuck as thirty foot rock for the for the rest of his life now? No, no, no. Because at the end, there's a, there's a there's a bit later where he kind of recaps, going basically, "Oh, thank God we got that antidote and everything's back to the normal." Oh, okay, now. sorry. Um, so, I, I although I think yours is too short, mate. I think it's nah, just might be, be, be perfect ninety minutes. I was just going to say, what's the what's the character growth? Uh, not there isn't really any. It's just it doesn't need. It's a film that doesn't need some. It I goes mean... there. He's already he's already got what he's learned from the first one, so he just wants to continue being a good person and helping out. I think you still need character growth, even in an action film, mate. I think that's why yours is a de- on downfall. I'm terrifyingly siding with Andy here in that I think character growth is a load of shit in a film like this. You just want action. However. I'm not there just trying to put action in for meme's sake. I feel like our host himself called you out on the fact you just want a 30-foot rock for the memes. There has to be more than a film than a meme, but there has to be less emotional trauma in a film that is basically just about huge, big creatures doing what they're doing. Okay, Matt, do you have anything else to say why yours is better than the other two or is that kind of is that the end of your argument no absolutely i have more to say um i feel like ross you are way too invested in the emotional aspect of this film i think it can create more heartache and more harrowing experiences which the audience will actually be deterred from um i feel like mine it's it expands upon a universe that could or could not exist within Rampage. It has a natural homage way more than the first film did to the references and the inspirations of the video game franchise with the likes of Godzilla and the Kaijus and taking it to Japan. It becomes a multi, you know, it becomes an international event. Just think of the premiere in Tokyo. Think of the huge scale and spectacle of the marketing campaign as we start marching shit through the streets of Tokyo and on the big billboards. I feel like mine has by far the most international appeal. It has some craziness that Andy brings in, it, but without memes, mine is a serious action film. Um, but it does not have the emotional baggage that Ross brings in that I really don't think this film needs because, God damn, it didn't have it in the first film. Yes, Matt's is, Matt's is totally different, but also exactly the same as every other Godzilla film. Yeah, that yeah, been. basically. Uh, it is very different. It's a monkey, 
and it's different You're kinds of You're basically setting bosses. it in Japan, which is basically Godzilla. You're yeah. just like, oh, yeah, just go set it in Godzilla. Different yeah, it's creatures. A, it's, it, it's, yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's an homage. Just make, just... Although it's not an homage, but it's an homage. There we go. Well, yeah. it is because this is a giant monkey and Godzilla is a giant dinosaur. But why are you setting it? Why can't it be in, in America? Well, no, because I feel like it's very important to pay respect to the influences of the film. I think you cannot you cannot make a second man page film. Yes, correct. But that video game has to have inspiration. Read up on read up on (laughs) rampage, good sir. I know that our host has, and I know that he acknowledged the respect and the homage I've made too. To be fair, the state stated influences of the game were to at least give a cheeky wink to Godzilla. Ross, your turn, mate. I think that you need. I've got. I've got a good bad guy who you are invested in when you kill off characters that people care about. I think that people will actually hate him. I think there's a, a journey about friendship. I also put in the the monkey from the uh, first one as well with um, Parvo and the fact that he was shunned in the first one by George and he ends up saving George's life. And it's, a, and it's a metaphor for friends should always stick together. And that's why three of them take on this bad guy um, and they kill him. And it's a good message that you're sending to the kids about if they're, if they're ever going to watch a 12 film with this much gore. Um, I think I've got a good story and uh, a good a mix of story and action. Because the first one, yes, it was action, but I don't see why you can't have story as well and character growth uh, in in an action film. And that's where Matt's and Andy's falls on uh, deaf ears. I think theirs, was, theirs is not good compared to mine. I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but all of those very important film techniques and narratives and things that I wholeheartedly believe in that you have added to this film, Ross. I can't believe I'm saying that I actually think that that is your biggest detriment. No. Things that Matt Rushton so passionately (laughs) loves in film are the very reason that your film should not be picked, Ross. These are powerful words, powerful words from, from the Viking XL. So, my final thoughts. I have I've got mixed feelings about all three of these. There are absolutely there, there are very strong arguments for and against all three, I think. Um Andy there's no doubting that yours would have spectacle and and I can see exactly why you're going for it and the spirit in which it's being written. I worry that it even adding in that B plot of the other organization trying to stop them, I feel, I worry that it's too slight, and there's only so many different permutations of a giant gorilla punching three lizards to carry forty five minutes of action. But I can see where you're coming from, um, Ross. The I I really like the the strong baddie. Um, it's a good continuation from the first film. It's a good evolution of the first film. I I I get your justification for killing off popular characters from the first film and there is definitely an argument for it but it's a it is a bit of a shame that that human element is lost sort of in in the middle of act two um before we move on um however the 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 strong baddie the overall narrative 
I think all works. It all makes sense. Matt, I like the the government facility aspect of it, and I like that it's that the the teams all there working together. Coming to Tokyo, I think is is a good move. It's visually going to be very different. It's got scope to have more baddie monsters, which maybe raises the stakes. Naomi Harris has more to do, which is quite nice. But then both Matt and Andy saying that saying that character growth is a negative about this i i do think is wrong like i agree the first film gets by without the rock learning any lessons or changing in any way whatsoever and it's fine but having a having a character arc will never detract from a film in my opinion so i can only pick one film and i will be i'll be entirely honest if I had the budget, I would be picking two, and I would be picking um, Matt and Ross's and smushing them together. I think there's a very good synthesis of that. And aspects of Andy's, I'm sure, of the three lizards fighting and the, the more chaotic fighting. But I can only pick one, and that film is Matt's film. Fuck it out. It, I again I, I, I will justify my decision like I said I, I I was incredibly torn between Ross and Matt's Andy I'm really sorry I I, <laughs> I wanted mine is a summer blockbuster it's what you want it's an easy popcorn movie and it's enjoyable it's got that, that factor that you gotta remember but theirs are also popcorn movies that would be enjoyable but they have more, not as enjoyable they have more no. flesh on the bones for me no, 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 no. Um, mine's Mine's all foul. <laughs> Ross, the inclusion of the villain was inspired. The casting choice was absolutely inspired. Um, but the it felt smaller scale. Like the giant snake would be really interesting visually, but it's just the one baddie. And yes, then it's giant man bear pig. But again, it's just two gorillas fighting a snake and then two gorillas fighting man bear pig. Where Matt's <laughs> is visually visually distinct. It has the, the potential to have like 20 human animal hybrids all fighting in downtown tokyo it has the other characters like working for a secret agency and that all did arnold Vosloo so nearly won me round it was like you couldn't have picked a better baddie ross but it wasn't quite enough to override how much i enjoyed the like secret agency gorilla lab on an island that flies out and parachutes a giant gorilla into crisis situations <laughs> So that means our host next week will be Matt Rushton. Matt, can you please tell us what we will be pitching for you? Thank you very much. Yeah, and firstly, I do just want to congratulate my uh, fellow competitors on a hard-fought victory. Um, I really thought that Ross might have bagged that one, but I'll take the win every time. However, next week, we are going to cover the 2013 American apocalyptic zombie action horror film World War Z you can find it on Prime UK make sure you get watching and think of your own sequels in the meantime and we'll see you there very cool, Um, thank you very much Matt, so that's it for this episode, it is goodbye from Ross goodbye Goodbye from Andy. Goodbye! It was the 30 foot rock. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye from Matt. (laughs) Goodbye!
and it's goodbye from me send us in your pitches for rampage 2 you can find us on twitter at pitch sequel you can find us on facebook and instagram and we will be here next week with the next episode of sequel pitch goodbye